Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting-greedy podcast here. I've been seeing you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Monday, February 27th, and we're here to talk about the best and potentially the worst position in football and fantasy football today with our good friend Dalton Del Don. Dalton, I'm sure you're thrilled to be talking uh, on the wide receiver, you know, lessons learned episode today. Um, and I kind of hope you aren't just completely dreading the tight end part that we have to stick at the end of this thing. But yeah, dude, we get to do the lessons learned on wide receivers together. I couldn't be more excited. Dalton, buddy, how you doing? What's up, man? I'm excited as well. Um, more pumped to just listen more than I am to talk, battling a cold, so that'll be easy. But yeah, man, I'm going to hear you. Uh, reception, perception, Mr. Reception, perception. Tell me uh, what's up with the receivers. And I have thoughts on guys like Gabe Davis as well. But uh, And then, yeah, we'll get to tight ends, but uh, that may be more brief. Don't worry, I won't uh, get on you for, uh, for, for trying to include them as your receivers that you're, that you're charting. <laughs> oh, we'll, yeah, we, we'll, we'll get to that. There's there is definitely a reason that Andy Barons is not a part of this program today, but we will we'll get to that later. Let's 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 get down to business here. So if you've listened to the last two episodes, if you haven't, you should go listen to them. Andy covered the lessons learned on running backs, Scott on quarterbacks. Basically, our big structure is to go through kind of we we did top eleven here for fantasy wide receivers in half PPR uh, and a lesson learned for each guy. I think it's helpful to frame these discussions around a specific player, around a specific situation. Dalton, not to do the whole like you know we're gonna who's this year's Justin Jefferson or who's this year's CD Lamb or something like that. But I think it helps to frame the discussion around uh, specific players, stuff like that. But before we get into the top 11 fantasy wide receivers and a lesson for each guy, let's kind of talk overall wide receiver lessons here. Um, a theme, I think, Dalton, that's going to pop up for a ton of these guys is not getting too hung up on situation or whatever, but like just trusting talent. And I know when I say that, there's going to be people out there that are immediately going to have examples of like, oh, well, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about that guy? What about Terry McLaurin? You trust the talent on Terry McLaurin. Like you only get wide receiver, you know, whatever he was this year, wide receiver, uh, you know, 22. I, I get it. But still, a lot of times if you focus on just the talent uh, and and not necessarily 
the projectable volume ecosystem for some of these guys, you ended up getting huge values. Uh, at least that's one big lesson, overarching theme for me at the wide receiver position this year. My biggest takeaway that I've really learned is to, I'm going to try to be more agnostic to receivers dealing with switching teams and or quarterbacks. Yes. I really was too down on Tyreek Hill for getting away from Mahomes when Hill is just so, so good himself, uh, clearly uh, to a, at 8.9 yards per attempt, uh, thanks to Hill and obviously Waddle. Devontae Adams, same thing. I was a little too down on him leaving Rodgers just because of new environment, but um, indoors and, and it worked out just fine. I uh, got a ton of targets. Uh, DK Metcalf and Lockett as well. I was way too down yeah. because of this. I, I, how did I know the quarterback position? It's just I was just assuming far too much about the unknown and so many things can change weekly in the NFL, let alone during an offseason. So I'm going to remember more agnostic to these uh, wide receivers with changing situations and be, you know, the ADP, that's fine. The market, I'm going to be okay with it more so than I'm going to take a stand because, man, there's just so much un when it comes to the unknown, um, I'm going to be uh, willing to just, to just be, uh, 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 not have some firm stance. I can't remember um, the exact number, but like last year, if you basically swore off you know, I'm not I'm not touching any receiver that's playing with the different quarterback from the year prior. I think it was like half the guys in the top 24 or top 30 or something like that. Um, we're I might, I might even be gone a little further. I, I wish I had the number offhand, but you just jarred my memory on this. I'll, I'll maybe come up with it later, but it was like essentially half the guys drafted in the top, like 34, 35 picks or something like that, that ha were, were changing teams or changing quarterbacks. Cause there was so much quarterback turnover last year and shoot, honestly, like we might get that again this year. So when we're talking about like free agency and stuff like that coming up and quarterback trades, you know, is Aaron Rodgers going to get traded? Where, where's Derek Carr going to sign? You know, we might get a similar turnover this year. That might just be a thing going forward in the NFL because I think a lot of teams are open to not just sticking it out with a bad quarterback. Like maybe it gets better this year. Like they're going to move that thing around a little bit. I think that's something that's going to be different going forward. And to your point about guys changing teams, th this is something that I said uh, when DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs uh, changed teams in 2020 was, you know, there was all this bad history about wide receivers changing teams. And like, you oh, you look at the history of wide receivers changing teams, they usually stink in their first year, at least their first year with a new team. But my counterpoint to that, and I, I honestly, I, I, mean, I agree with you, I wish I hammered it more this past year with Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, and A.J. Brown, was we we haven't seen prior to Hopkins and Diggs, we hadn't seen guys that were that good change teams, right? Like, I mean, the biggest examples were probably Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown. And I mean, let's throw Antonio Brown out for a variety of different reasons because he just went off the reservation. And then with Odell Beckham, he got hurt. There were some, there were some things there, but for the most part, it was guys like, you know, the late Vincent Jackson or Mike Wallace were like the biggest examples of wide receivers who had changed teams that were like, quote, big names in free agency. That's just a totally different ball game or Alshon Jeffrey going to the Eagles from the Bears in free agency. That's a totally different ball game than like guys that who are who are literally verifiably the best players at the position, the five best receivers in the NFL changing teams. That's a totally different thing, I think, than guys like in that Mike Wallace tier changing teams in free agency. Where Wallace at? No, it's a great point. The contracts are different. The era is or eras are different. It's totally just a different time in the NFL. 
based on the in the past. Yeah, the receivers often, very frequently, the first year with a new team were ones to avoid. Rookies, another big change. Yes. Rookie receivers used to be no, not the first year. It's the third year breakout. Then it became the second year breakout. And last year may have been a special, truly special class, but it's been a few years now where rookie wideouts have helped fantasy managers down the stretch over the second half. It's been a good two, three, four years now. That's a theme. Um, I'm targeting r- rookie wideouts now uh, in in best ball drafts just just be- without obviously knowing where they land because that is something I expect to continue to be a theme moving forward is is immediate impact from these rookies. So that would definitely be another lesson I learned. Um, just uh, another takeaway is that these rookies uh, are, are another thing that's different from past eras of football. Yeah, and again, there's no such thing as a blanket statement because like guys like Sky Moore didn't emerge in the second half of the year like I thought he might. George Pickens sort of slumped in the second half of the year and, and really was awesome in the first half. Um, guys like, I mean, Drake London was killer to end the year uh, after the quarterback change. Christian Watson, probably the best example of a guy who basically did nothing in the first half of his rookie year but was awesome in the second half. So I agree with you. Like, Focusing on those rookie wide receivers, even if you're not the one that drafted them, always keep those guys sort of like on waiver wire speed dial, I think is the biggest thing um, for me going forward. But all right, let's dive into it. Let's dive into 2022's top 11 fantasy wide receivers, starting at wide receiver one, uh, Justin Jefferson. We don't have to spend a ton of time on him because I feel like the lesson for him was he's just as good as as we all thought, right? He he even promised himself he was going to be the number one wide receiver. He was the number one wide receiver in PPR and half PPR, whatever. He was awesome. Um, I, I don't know. Are there any other lessons to take away from Justin Jefferson's season other than, hey, He's uh, like, I, I think, a truly special talent at the wide receiver position just heading into like his fourth season now. Yeah, so frustrated. I searched many casinos in uh, August trying to find a bet uh, on him to win uh, Offensive Player of the Year. Couldn't couldn't find one. Mm. But uh, the, the last two games of the season, he kind of disappeared. So I guess the only thing I'd bring up is Jefferson or Chase. I took Chase uh, with the number one pick. I uh, just got in a slow best ball draft, considered my guy McCaffrey and obviously Jefferson and decided to go uh, – Chase, but um, yeah, Jefferson's awesome. He didn't quite take over the C- Cooper Cup role as much. You would know that more than I would, but either way, he was schemed open enough. He's awesome. Uh, he's going to be a top three pick in all fantasy drafts next year. Yeah, definitely was not in in the Cooper Cup role at all. I talked to him about that uh, at Super Bowl Media Week, and and you know he was. He kind of it had made those statements without actually seeing sort of the plan for for his role yet, but uh, he saw it more as as the season unfolded. And I mean, honestly, like you're just not going to put a guy that's as good and not no shade to Cooper Cup, who would have been the number one receiver if we were doing this in points per game. Yeah, average like eighteen point two half PPR points per game. He was you know absolutely absurd. Um, if he hadn't gotten hurt, he it's crazy that he was. Uh, you know, I'm looking at it right now. He was still wide receiver twenty four on total points, and he played like half like not even well like half the damn season it was crazy but um you know just on Justin Jefferson he was again I think a little surprised by the fact that like the the role that he had but like I was saying you don't take a guy who's as good as Justin Jefferson who's such an elite press man coverage beater who can win as that X receiver and can beat double coverage you don't have to put that guy like 90 percent in the slot I would say for for Justin Jefferson going forward what makes him really interesting kind of compared to a guy like Jamar Chase is are they going to get a second, like a secondary threat there in Minnesota? Because that was a big thing. Like that, that Packers game in particular. That was that. That was Week Seventeen, right? In in Championship Week was the Packers game where he caught one pass. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, you watched that game and like their whole, their whole ball game was basically like pressure Kirk, but also 
take away Justin Jefferson basically at all costs. And they did a lot of creative things to do that, especially when he did line up in the slot. So yeah, you were right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yep. I, I, I like Adam, like what Adam Thielen's done in his career, but I think they might be an interesting team, like a sneaky team to add wide receiver help this off season. Yeah, no, so yeah, Osborne, what can he, yes, totally agree that Thielen's on the back nine of his career, and uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson's going to be in the, just the beginning of a huge, of a nice stretch here of of, of dominating the league, man, he, he's fun to watch. Since he brought up Jamar Chase, he would have been wide receiver 12, um, it, and I just decided to cut this off at 11, because like, I don't really know what there is to say about Jamar Chase, he was wide receiver 12 despite playing only 12 games, he's awesome. I, I do think like he, we haven't even seen the best of him yet, man. Um, my my lesson for him is like he's you know especially talking to him Super Bowl media week. That guy's like really underrated in terms of his like technical ability in the game. We think about him as like a a pure like ball winner, a yak guy, a big play threat. But I think he can have this this Justin Jefferson type of season next year. So I love that you took him first overall there. I'm 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 endorsing your your uh, your draft pick there. Yeah, you look at the targets down the stretch, and he was not probably playing compromise to a healthy full year from, of him could be special. I used to argue that Higgins should be ranked closer weekly, but clearly Chase separated himself yeah. there. I know Higgins might have been playing himself, not 100%, but Chase, uh, yeah, he's the man. Higgins is great. I think Chase is just like, he's ready to take this Justin Jefferson leap in his third year. Yep. You're right that like, we used to do the, oh, the third year breakout for wide receivers. It can still be a third year breakout, but it can be a breakout going from like the very very good of the position to like the elite elite of the position i think that we saw yeah. that with justin jefferson i think we're going to see that with jamar chase yeah but thinking of, about the number one pick and taking chase as great as he is man i was just looking at like marshall fox old stats he had 26 touchdowns and 2,000 yards in 14 games one year for the rams i mean it's a different game we're playing right yeah. now without running backs like that so i mean it really it really is different but uh yeah chase is as good as it gets right now all right, wide receiver two, Tyreek Hill. Uh, we talked about this a little bit with, with guys changing teams, but for me, the lesson here is that elite wide receivers are quarterback proof. And I'm not saying that Tua's not good. Uh, I think Tua is a good quarterback, but he's not Patrick Mahomes, despite all of the uh, Tyreek Hill's offseason chatter. This was that this trade ended up being great for everybody involved because the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes proved they don't need Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill, I think, also proved he didn't need Patrick Mahomes uh, based on his based on what he did this year. Yeah, totally. The Chiefs somehow had the most yards per play on offense in five years without Hill, and Hill put up um, one of his best seasons. He had the most receptions, the most targets. Uh, I mean, yes, you get one more extra game these days, but he also played 17 games the season before with Kansas City. Touchdowns weren't quite there, but very, very impressive. And imagine a full year of a healthy Tua. So, yeah, I was way wrong. I didn't end up with a ton of Tyreek. I was just worried leaving Mahomes, and clearly that was just a gigantic mistake. I mean, the argument uh, for him this year, I mean, you could, you, know, you could rank him as high as any of these guys this year. His upside is as high as any of them. 100%. And I don't think we're going to see anybody in the Tyree kill like these all these guys here like I don't think any of them are really changing teams this year you know I think we're pretty I don't think we're going to get the crazy wide receiver movement this offseason that we did last offseason that's for sure but when I mean guys like Adams probably we're talking about him in a second he's going to have a new quarterback this year these guys that are as good as Tyree kill like you could throw anybody out there, I think, and they'll be they'll be great because when you can get open at all levels, like you're you're going to be able to thrive in fantasy and reality and everything like that. 
Yeah, they have the coaching staff to scheme him up too. So I mean, yeah, uh, yes. And and Tyreek Hill, I think I just underrated how good he was and at his size. You know, can can he last this stage of his career? But yeah, the answer is yes, emphatically. Yeah, he just gets open at will. He's he's awesome. Yeah. Let's move to the next guy here, Demonte Adams, another one who changed teams. We know that. And for me, the lesson here is that guys can when they're again, it, maybe it's just the guys who are at this peak of the wide receiver position, but. My lesson here is just like these guys can win in different ways with different quarterbacks. Um, I know the biggest freak out about Devontae Adams was that he was going to be changing um, from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. But there was also like some level of freak out of like, oh, you think about all of the layup targets that Devontae Adams got those slot routes. I mean, if you if you look at it just this past year, Devontae Adams uh, in his last two years in Green Bay. 8.9 air yards per target, 9.55 air yards per target. In uh, Las Vegas, it jumped to 11.8, um, and he, his slot snaps fell down. But my my whole point about the, the freak out about the slot stuff is, like, watch a guy play. Like, you think Devontae Adams can't win as the X receiver? You think he can't win against press coverage, man coverage, outside routes? Obviously, those routes are harder. The throws are harder. They're more difficult. And his production was great on the whole, 1500 yards just like he had 1500 yards the the year before but he got there in different ways uh like only 100 catches this past year 123 in green bay so i think that's the lesson here for me is that like these guys can end up at the same result even if the way they get there is different because again it just comes back to how they win and how they play the game yeah, I overrated those concerns myself, including those layup touchdowns, which just were so easy with, with Rodgers. But obviously Carr and Adams put up big numbers in, in Fresno State, so it's not a shock getting to play indoors. Um, he's just a total alpha, man. 14 touchdowns. Uh, very, very impressive. Uh, haven't dropped our old favorite stat Whopper in a while, but second in the NFL and had a higher Whopper than his final season in Green Bay, too. So, yeah, the the opportunity was there and he certainly uh, cashed in. The question with him now, obviously, is who's who's going to be his his next quarterback? Yeah, um, I probably won't worry about it. Right. I guess um, I guess there's not much of a question, really, I guess. Uh, yeah, just something we'll talk about. But he's good. He's either going to be ranked anywhere from three to seven. Seems to me like there's a big set. Maybe, you, maybe you'll have A.J. Brown in there, but him and Smith to me. But to me, you know, Diggs, Adams, Hill, C.D. Lamb, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson and Chase to me is just a big tier. I love my guy Garrett Wilson right there, too. But that yeah. seven to me, because A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith fight each other, I, c- I could see you arguing those. But to me, that seven, you could really flip any way as i mean really you could i mean i know you're i have dig seventh now and that's probably blasphemy right i mean you probably oh. hate that so i mean who but again we're talking adams and hill and cd lamb did you see him yeah. down the stretch i mean and cooper cup i mean it's it's a pretty awesome seven you would know this better than anybody Devonte adams uh 152 yards and two touchdowns against your 49ers with Jarrett freaking stidham bro i mean yeah he's definitely a quarterback proof guy i, I think we're going to go back and forth a lot on wide receiver rankings. This It's so hard to do it. Real life, fantasy, whatever. Um, but I agree with you. I think that seven definitely kind of sets itself up as a tier unto its own. In person, I don't think I've ever seen anything more impressive than Rodgers and him at a Niner game and Adams, like just breaking mm. the ball would be released before yeah. it was like, it was crazy. You, you double team him. And I know you say no one really does double team, but I swear they were that day and it didn't matter. He, oh, he's no, awesome. Yeah. And, guys, and I know you guys you've that could like the, definitely, yeah, guys that could definitely get double teamed, but um, not as much as people think, but definitely in games like that, it, it can happen. His workout metrics do not obviously jump off the page and he struggled early on in the NFL career, but you've been calling him the best receiver in football for a few years now. And I'd say that you really were validated leaving that 
environment with Rogers and going to a completely new system and you know getting paid and, and then looking like that to me is like validation. Yeah, the dude's obviously legit. A hundred percent. I think he is still the best receiver in football. Um, and the the crazy thing about Adams, I always bring this up just because it's it's like the outlier of all outliers. This guy literally in reception perception went from like the first percentile in success rate versus man coverage in his first two years all the way to like the 99th for, you know, essentially three to four straight years. I haven't done the charting from this past year, but his last like three, his last four years in Green Bay, even dating back to 2018. That is like just a blistering run that we've never seen. So for a guy to it's just a credit for to him for working his ass off and and just being so dedicated to that, because you're right. It wasn't as if he he's not some freak athlete. He's not Calvin Johnson. He's not Tyree Kill. He, he's not even like a Jalen Waddle type uh, in terms of his athletic ability. He's just like the the consummate craftsman and the consummate like uh, you know, technician. And I think that's a, that's going to be really interesting for a lot of these guys, like how their game ages, uh, because I think he, you, he might lose a little bit of juice, but he could probably still get open with the best of them because of his route running. Yep. Yep. He's awesome. Speaking of getting open, like the best of them, (laughs) Stefan Diggs is our next one here. Uh, For me, wide receiver four, Stefan Diggs, it's don't get um, too caught up on the flashy things. You know, we spent so much time in the offseason, not just on this show, although we did talk about uh, our buddy Gabe Davis a lot on this show, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, you know, all of these guys. Um, My whole point with Stefan Diggs was like, well, like we're talking about Gabe Davis, how much uh, is he going to take on? We're talking about Isaiah McKenzie as the slot receiver. My thought was like, well, what if the answer just becomes more Stefan Diggs? And that's, I mean, essentially what happened. Uh, you know, he was he was incredibly productive his first two years in uh, in Buffalo, but he had a higher target share or higher targets per route run this past year. Uh, than he did in 2021. His target share jumped from 26.3 to 27.9. His air yards were pretty similar. Uh, but yeah, overall, like we just saw more of the offense go through digs, which I think was kind of a problem at times for Buffalo. But for, for his fantasy stock, it was a great thing. First, I'll start off by defending my Gabe Davis egregiously <laughs> high uh, ranking. I was not basing it off his eruption in a playoff game in which busted coverage helped result in, in, a, in a couple of those three touchdowns. He also led Buffalo in first down target percentage after their bye in 2021. Emmanuel Sanders had left. He was extremely young for a prospect. Prospect guys I trust really liked him, especially one person who's done me right in the past. He had this crazy off-season routine. If you watch the video, he hired a personal chef, like basically just spent his whole off-season just living, eating, and breathing football. It's the most pass-heavy team in football, uh, the Bills. Uh, But my lesson learned is I should have listened to my podcast partner (laughs) who spends a lot of his free time watching uh, players run routes. And I should have uh, realized that Diggs is far better in that area. And I was overrating those other things. And yeah, Gabe Davis, I was flat out wrong. And Diggs uh, is in this elite top tier. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about the Gabe Davis thing so many times. Uh, Wide receiver 27 on the season. Yeah. I had him ranked as like wide receiver 30. You know, I do do feel Gabe Davis is one of these weird players that um, I don't know he will ever be associated with reception perception, like when people think about it. But um, from his like rookie year to all the way to this past season, I feel like RP has been like dead right uh, about like where he is as a player, because when he was like first popping, I was like, oh, this is a guy who he might not be a fully trusted player, but he's a great deep threat. I think that's basically what he's become. Buffalo is going to be really interesting because like, 
I think they probably spend a premium pick on wide receiver. I think they probably take a, a guy maybe in round one, round two. Maybe they add a, a, a free agent receiver, but they're not necessarily just flush with resources. But we could, Dalton, we could be looking at like Gabe Davis almost as like a post type sleeper in a way that if they don't bring in, because like if they bring somebody in to be like a Jacoby Myers type, I don't think they'll do that, but just like a, a slot receiver type. Well, they're going to kick Isaiah McKenzie to the curb. He's going to be in that role. And Gabe might be back as just like a pure outside receiver. And if he goes like in the 30s and you can project him for eight to 900 yards and seven ish touchdowns, I mean, that might be look. that might be kind of that might be kind of great depending on where he goes next year. I am curious what Buffalo does at wide receiver. The only uh, receivers under contract in 2024, Diggs and Khalil Shakir. Uh, but no, I will not be talking myself into the Gabe Davis <laughs> fantasy business in 2023. Uh, I'm out. I'm out on that one. We'll see, man. I mean, uh, it's, I'm admitting defeat. I'm, it's I'm, a long, I'm it's a long defeat. off season, Dalton. I, I think we can get you back in on Gabe Davis. Uh, if nobody else, uh, they don't add any competition there. I, I think we can get you back in. Um, let's move to wide receiver five here. AJ Brown. This one's, uh, the, I think we're again talked about it at the top. It's a great, great case for just trusting talent. If you just closed your eyes and said, I get it. There are quarterback questions with Jalen Hurts. There are offense questions with the Eagles, whatever. What I know is that A.J. Brown is a top five wide receiver talent. And again, I'm I'm not running an ad here for reception perception, but uh, he's been like top three in success rate versus man and press coverage in each of the last three years. He is a verifiable top five wide receiver talent. If you just trusted that, and you drafted A.J. Brown everywhere. I mean, you would have gotten a huge profit based on where he was going. He wasn't going late or anything like that, but he certainly was never going like wide receiver five or projecting for these type of stats. Yeah, maybe my lesson is overrating my ability to uh, to estimate injuries. Uh, definitely was worried about his durability. Dude stayed totally healthy. And uh, yeah, I was in on Hurts. So this does not shock me. I uh, the, the concentration of just going to Smith and, and him, even with Goddard as an option there, was just so so good for fantasy managers. And even then, the whole second half of games, I believe he literally ranked like 33rd among quarterbacks, Hurts, in uh, dropbacks. Like they just played the whole, whole season leading. So there's a lot of volume upside moving forward for both these receivers. Because they're not going to that just that just that doesn't happen in the NFL, you know. They're not going to be playing with the lead like that. They're 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 going to be trailing and not win as many games, and it's just inevitable. And that's going to help their their uh, their volume, if nothing else. A hundred percent. That's a great call out. And you know, for for Jalen Hurts, like this is a guy who has gotten better every single season, like over the last four years or whatever. Um, he could easily be a guy that takes another step. Uh, that would be great to see. And the concentration thing is another great point that. Like if you can identify these offenses where it's mostly going to flow through and they're going to be efficient, but they're going to flow through like three dudes in the air. I mean, that's like, that's just money in fantasy as much as we love, like what the 49ers have assembled in terms of like a cast of character. I got to get a 49ers reference in here somewhere, Dalton, you know, you get it like a cast of characters like they've got, it can be tough on a weekly basis to be like, all right, who's going to get left out in the cold. Cause they've got like four or five dudes that everything can flow through. Whereas with with Philadelphia, it's just three guys through the air. If you can identify those offense, that's a great way to to find some value uh, going forward. Yeah. So what are we doing with Brown and Devonta Smith? I guess Smith got injured in the Super Bowl. He was just seen in a walking boot weeks later. Uh, yeah. um, but aside from that, uh, they had the same exact target share in the playoffs. Um, 
Uh, in fact, Devontae Smith out-targeted A.J. Brown in six of the final eight games. I mean, it's, it's, in, it's an interesting debate, or am I off base and A.J. Brown is, the, is a clear one step above? I, I really should just default to you here and not even care about these stupid stats, frankly. I'm, and I'm being serious with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. But let's say let's save like Devonta Smith for when we get to okay, him because he's going to come up uh, on this list. A tease. Let's tease it. I like it. What I will say though is that I'm not sure. Like I think the narrative about Devonta Smith is like, oh, he benefited from being the second fiddle. You know, he benefited from being. Um, like all of the coverage going AJ Brown's way and that opening things up for him. I. I don't think that's necessarily true, and I don't think there's as much. And I just said AJ Brown's like a top five wide receiver talent. I'm not sure there's a big gap between AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. So I think it's worth a discussion, and it's a discussion we're going to have here um, in just a second. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get to that more on the other side. But we got a lot of other dudes to talk about before we get back to Devonta Smith. Right after this, welding instructor Alex Declare knows VR training platforms like Forge FX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, Dalton, we're back. Wide receiver six, CeeDee Lamb. I think we talked a lot about CeeDee Lamb this past offseason. I think we were both kind of dead on about CeeDee Lamb, the player he was. And that's the lesson for me here. Like, hate to say it, but like, watch the tape when projecting players. Watch these guys play. Um, especially when circumstances change. So much of the narrative around CeeDee Lamb was, well, he's never been an alpha receiver before. How come he's never had this target share? How come he's never had this, that, and the other? Well, you know, no shit he hadn't had those things. He was playing with Amari Cooper. You know, Michael Gallup was healthy, healthy for the most part that he was playing. That was not going to be the situation at all this year. And if you just highlight it on what the guy could do when you actually sit down and watch him, not like all of these make-believe metrics – the guy could do who could do it all, especially in the role that he was projecting, which was kind of that like power slot role. But I would even argue that we saw against the 49ers in the playoffs, like he can stack and win got against man coverage on the outside. Like he can be a vertical receiver. Like I think they can get even more about out of CD Lamb going forward. But yeah, for me, the lesson here is just like you got to actually watch these guys when projecting like what their ceiling might be, not necessarily like volume metrics from the past. Yeah, I have to admit, I was worried. I had him ranked aggressively high. And after week one, he had 11 targets, just two catches, 29 yards. I'm like, oh, is he not uh, up to the task of being the clear alpha? And he certainly was down the stretch after the bye week, especially. He just really erupted, uh, got saw all the targets. Um, is it some concern? Maybe Gallup is, is fully recovered from the knee this second year. So he gets more targets, but not really. I mean, there's not really much target. There's really not target competition there after they gave away Amari Cooper stupidly. So I think <laughs> CD lamb. Yeah. Again, has an argument among these seven, whatever next year indoors, Dak Prescott doesn't run as much anymore. I mean, it's a, it's a great setup. I mean, it's Pollard coming off an injury Zeke, you know, another year older. I, why is, I mean, lamb again, he's, he's right there with any of these seven that could finish as the fantasy's top wide up next year. Yeah. Uh, I think Dallas is kind of approached this off season. Like the, the receiver core is going to be really interesting. Um, they're probably going to let Dalton Schultz walk. Um, I think they can, you know, no offense to the to the Daltons out there, uh, but I think they can probably do just fine with like Jake Ferguson or somebody else at tight end. There's uh, another baller Dalton entering the league, I think, a tight end prospect. Too, yeah, man. Dalton Why are they all, all named Dalton? Yeah, they're all named Dalton. There was another failed one on, I think, the Patriots, too. I don't know. It's weird. But yeah, Kincaid. Yeah, I'm seeing good hearing good things about him. I think what we're learning here is that you really missed the boat. You should have like, I don't know, packed on 
twice my weight. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like a hundred more pounds and um, been a been a tight end, bro. I mean, you're you're pretty tall, so you could have you could have been like a a move tight end. You could have maybe been in the in the Jordan Reed mold. Yeah, I do not have my daughter's athleticism, nor do I like taking a hit. I agree with P and Al said he would never be the same if he took one hit in the NFL, and I agree too. My life would never, ever again be the, be the same. So yeah, it's not not for me. I'm more of a more of a hoopster or or playing golf these days. Uh, yeah, not 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 built for it. But um, but Dalton Schultz probably is moving on, leaving even more more of the targets for uh for yeah, Ceedee Lamb. I mean, T Y Hilton is he coming back? I mean, Jalen Tolbert. Remember when he was being drafted oh, in the top ten man. rounds in the middle of summer? I mean, wow. So yeah, it's about as it's about as wide open actually. If you look at it, as any any team right now for for Lamb as far as targets, totally wide open. Um, I think the Odell Beckham thing might actually happen this offseason. Mm. For as much as we talked yeah, about good it, point, good call. um, that that but again, like then you're looking at Ceedee Lamb and like two guys that are probably on the back nine of their career in Gallup and Beckham, who are still dealing with ACL. Although Gallup's younger than I think people realize, but. He's he's still a guy that would be we don't know what he's going to look like uh, in in his second year off an ACL tear. Pryor will look better. Beckham will be coming off his second ACL tear on the same knee. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that there's a move unless this whole, uh, you know, the, the Diggs bros get their wish and they find they get to play together. Uh, I don't know that there's a move uh, that the, the Cowboys could make that would really have me dinging C.D. Lamb too much coming into this year. And I agree with you that he has the upside to be the number one receiver in fantasy, no question about it. Yep, absolutely love him. All right, next guy here, wide receiver seven, Jalen Waddle. To me, uh, there's... Wait, a- oh, sorry, do we worry about McCarthy calling plays? Sorry, I, I, I actually oh, need yeah, to ask yeah. you that. Ke- that Kellen Moore, I mean, that's, that, that's kind of just overlooked. I mean, I feel like he was the last of their problems. The I agree with their you. worries. I, I agree with you, kind of like the least of their worries. I think that was definitely a move that, like, all right, if I'm going to go out, if I'm Big Mike and I'm going out, I'm going out my way, you know, uh, type of thing. I, I think it was a move to I, – I honestly think it could have been like a bit of a mutual move. Uh, the fact that he picked that Chargers do- job up so fast uh, did Kellen Moore from like when it was announced. To, you know, I think that that could have been kind of in the works beforehand. But, you know, t- again, CeeDee Lamb, another guy we talked to at, at Media Week, he seems pretty excited about, about the move, and he said um, – and I think – Dak told Jory Epstein, uh, our colleague, that like it might be, you know, maybe 20 percent different uh, in terms of what they'll do. I think honestly, part of me wonders, like, how how much do we really separate? Like, how much can we separate um, Kellen Moore from Mike McCarthy? Because I think instinctually we sit there and think like, oh, all the good must have been Kellen Moore and all the bad. That's got to be that's got to be Mike McCarthy. Right. That's got to be Mike McCarthy meddling. But I don't know. I, I think that. Mike McCarthy, whether things definitely went stale, I think that offense does make things harder on their on the quarterback than it needs to be. I do think that's some Mike McCarthy stuff there, but he's still a guy that has has been a coordinator for a long time and a guy who's called plays before, so it's not like a totally unknown thing. So I would say my worry level about it is 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 pretty low. Okay, totally fair. I just wanted to bring that up because it's yeah, worth that, it's that, worth that it, all yeah. makes sense. That makes sense to the whole more connection with the Chargers, too, because that was pretty quick. So, yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right. Next guy up here, wide receiver seven, Jalen Waddle. Obviously, we talked a lot about Tyree Kill and Tua and stuff like that. But um, to me, the lesson from him is that like coaching changes can do wonders for wide receivers. Do you remember the little pop gun role that Jalen Waddle was in uh, as a rookie? I, I mean, it, it was it's crazy to think about like a guy that had that legit speed. And I don't think he was 100 percent healthy his, his entire rookie year uh, because he was coming off a pretty late ankle injury in the in the latter part of the college football season the, the year prior but 
still 104 catches, 1,015 yards, 9.76 yards per reception his rookie year. His second season, way fewer targets, but 75 catches for 1,356 yards, 18.1 yards per catch. Jalen Waddle, his like average depth of target or air yards per target to yards after catch per reception numbers are just ridic- ridic- ridiculous with Jalen Waddle. Like that's some video game stuff. 12.1 air yards per target, 6.8 uh, yards after catch per reception. There is probably some regression worry in that going forward. But for me, my lesson here is just like, yeah, coaching changes can really open up what we think of a player. Yeah, I remember a knee scare uh, in August uh, had me concerned drafting him, proved to be nothing, played all 17 games. And yeah, you highlighted it. It's just all about a dot here. I mean, the dude had 30 fewer catches, but 350 more yards. I mean, just what a dramatic difference. And, and you know, props to him for, for, for showing the skills to do that. I was unclear if he was just an underneath guy, but clearly not. He's a beast. He benefits from another uh, concentrated uh, uh, target tree there in Miami and uh, an awesome Hall of Fame, one-of-a-kind receiver opposite him. Him. So even if two is not the world's best deep ball thrower, proved plenty accurate enough, hopefully he can stay healthy. I mean, 8.9 YPA last year. I don't think people understand. I mean, that's like historically good. So hopefully Tua can stay healthy. And you look at Waddle and Hill, and this is an offense cooking with gas for, for years to come. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a credit to, to your boy Mike McDaniel in between vape hits. Like, uh, he really definitely uh, watched the tape on on Jalen Waddle, like dating back to his college days. He was anything but like a little pop gun receiver in college. And and he definitely sh- I always was just kind of weird to me that I guess it's because they had two in this weird RPO offense in 2021 and, you know, lack of protection, that type of stuff. But it was always weird to me that he was and again, his own health, maybe. But he was it was weird that he was in that little role uh, his rookie year when he can obviously do this, what we saw in. 2022. Yep. No, McDaniel can definitely, uh, can, can definitely coach and scheme. Uh, can we see an, a similar upgrade to DJ Moore as far as differences downfield? Are they, are they similar players or he's capable of this or am I off base on that? Um, definitely not, not the same in terms of speed. Uh, but w- you remember in like uh 2000, was it 2021? The Teddy, Br- no, no, 2020, the Teddy Bridgewater year, DJ Moore had like 18 yards per catch, something like that. And they were, it was, they were like, they were using him as a vertical X receiver, which I don't think is the best thing for DJ Moore. I think you want him being like a guy who moves around flanker slot, that type of stuff. I think you could, but I think he can take a similar leap uh, under a guy like Frank Reich, you know, and it's just so, so much better coaching than, you know, Matt Rule and the boys previously. I selfishly brought him up. Sorry if it doesn't make any sense with Waddle, but that kind of the comparison ma- made sense in my head. But selfishly, I bring it up because I I jumped way ahead of ADP and took Mike Williams over DJ Moore in, mm. in, in this best ball draft. But I'm looking at the whopper I brought up uh, for this uh, podcast last year. Moore easily led the NFL in whopper. He was, he was number one. And then it's Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, you know, the stars. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, my thought process with Mike Williams is Keenan Allen's a huge cut. I think yep. he's definitely going to be released. And they added Kellen Moore. So I should have brought it up then. Kellen Moore there. And no. And you look at the splits there. M- Williams could be an absolute beast. I think he's in essentially his contract year, too. So with Herbert throwing him the ball and the question we still remains for DJ Moore with those coaching upgrades still, though, who's the quarterback yep. there? So that was my thinking. But looking at this whopper has me like really second guessing that. I think both those teams um, could add competition for targets as well um i I know that yeah keenan allen's probably a guy who i think is either going to get released or traded or you know restructured maybe but it it's tough there's no way he's playing on his current contract that's for sure for a cap strap team like the chargers who still have justin herbert's you know big contract to, to worry about here soon 
if they walk into next year uh, with Mike Williams and Josh Palmer as the two receivers, like for, forget it. Like they gotta they gotta figure something else out there at the receiver room uh, for the LA Chargers and um, DJ Moore too. Like there's a big reason that he led the league in in Whopper or whatever. I mean, no one else there. Nobody yeah. else there. Like uh, you know, yeah. and I I'm gonna talk about this with our next guy. Like I do believe targets are earned, but definitely who you're playing with affects like the level of volume you're gonna get in stuff like that. Um, they don't just throw to DJ Moore just because they throw to DJ Moore because he's good, but they throw to him so much. There's so much opportunity because like I think Terrace Marshall still pretty far unproven player um robbie chosen anderson whatever the hell he's calling himself you know these days gets himself <laughs> kicked off the team week six or whatever so yeah a lot, lot going into that as well totally okay fair all right move on Sorry, those are two those questions. are two really <laughs> interesting guys in terms of like what they're going to do this year uh but we'll have a lot of time to, to talk about that all through the offseason wide receiver eight I'm on Ross St. Brown up from wide receiver 21 the year prior. I mean, talk about like you could really old takes expose a lot of people on what they were saying about I'm on Ross St. Brown. And to me, it's just like I splits happen. That's a that's a big thing here. Like uh, the, the splits for I'm on Ross St. Brown, all the volume stuff from his rookie year was without TJ Hawkinson, without without DeAndre Swift, you know, all their, those wide receivers like who who else was he playing with? But like he was getting those targets, he was producing with those targets because he was so good at football and is so good in the role that I think is evolving for wide receivers these days, which is that like big power slot type of player. So for me, uh, yeah, like the the whole like target competition thing. I know we just said that a little bit about DJ Moore, but like the whole target competition thing doesn't matter as much if you can pr- get that volume and you can produce with it. There's a reason, and it's probably going to be sticky. A lot of things here. So he is both legit himself, but things also kind of broke his way as well with Hawkinson getting traded midseason and DeAndre Swift, just whatever happened with him. I mean, he just yeah, but I mean, look a- at what he was doing the first like few weeks of the season. That, that was some of his best before yeah. Hawkinson got traded. Yeah, that's honestly. fair because he got hurt. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sun God could have been even better, but he dealt with an injury and he was playing with a it was kind of a banged up ankle there. No, I'm a full on believer. He's awesome. And I've already gone on record here saying that the Lions you know, are absolutely one of my uh, dark horse Super Bowl candidates next year. So I think they're their offense is awesome. It's Coors Field, especially in Detroit. And on one hand, Jamison Williams looks like the real, uh, like a real target competition next year that wasn't yeah. there. But, you know, Hawkinson is gone and whatever. There's no one else really there. And I think this offense can put up a ton of points. Uh, and I say that with a straight face with Goff throwing to him. So, yeah, I, I really like St. Brown, but it will be different with Jamison Williams there. Definitely. Uh, depends if they bring back DJ Chark as well, uh, who I think was pretty good for them, especially in that back half of the year. He had some big games. Um, but yeah, no, I, also another lesson for for him is like quarterback and, and wide receiver relationship and fit together really matters. Like that was one of the reasons I liked Amon Ross St. Brown so much besides his talent was like we've seen Jared Goff thrive with uh this type of wide receiver you know i called him bud like cooper cup all the time i'm on ross st brown but like they're they win in the exact same ways and like i think st brown's even catching up in terms of how good he is uh to a guy like cooper cup so um that matters a lot too when you can get a wide receiver quarterback relationship right based on the style of their play that you can end up in a in a top 10 season like this one um, next guy here, wide receiver nine, Amari Cooper. This one probably surprised me the most that he's here, um, especially because some of his most of I think most of his big games were with Jacoby Brissett, which I definitely you know, maybe there's a lesson in that. But for me, it's just like this is pretty easy. Projectable volume is huge. Uh, th- there was this was a situation where they had David and Joku, Donovan Peoples Jones did some whatever things, but for the most part, he was like the only uh, wide receiver in town for the Browns last year. 
Yeah, this was surprising to see him top 10 volume help just staying healthy, which is uh, you know, ironic for, for his career. But uh, on a per game basis, I think Cooper's more like the 16th, 15th yeah. or 16th uh, fantasy wideout, but still very probably definitely was profitable with his ADP. And you said it was surprising. Most would have probably guessed the opposite would have been true. He would, would kind of thrive down the stretch with Watson, but his bigger games were early. And that's definitely a question entering next year is can Deshaun, which, which Deshaun Watson's going to show up. But yeah, Cooper's good, and he he benefits from a little target competition there as well. And the home yeah. road splits are just so so bizarre, too. So bizarre. I'd almost say that like him being this high is sort of like, you know, it's def- like a, definitely some big game-induced stuff like that, the home road thing. like I think you got to be okay with volatility, even if it looks so like easy to pinpoint there, like the home road stuff. he's just He is a volatile player. I've said that about him all the time. He did have four catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns with Deshaun Watson in Week 17. But, yeah, like the game against Buffalo, that was uh, where he had 113-2. and two. You know, uh, 94 yards against Tampa Bay. That was Jacoby Brissett's last start. 131 and one against Cincinnati. That was Jacoby Brissett. Back to back in weeks two and three, 101 yards and a touchdown on double digit targets. Both of those games were with Jacoby Brissett. That's probably a lesson there too. That like even if you have a quarterback question, and Brissett definitely outkicked expectations this year. But even if you have quarterback questions, if you can still project a guy for like 24 percent of the targets, bare minimum. Um, who cares? Like they could, they could almost be playing with anybody and it'll probably be fine. It looks like he hit 90 yards six times this year and five of them were with Brissett. So, uh, yeah, I don't know though. I mean, obviously Watson, they're hoping makes a big leap here yeah. with the whole, you know, obviously to get ready, but yeah, Co- Cooper, real strong fantasy pick last year. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see with the whole Watson thing. I don't really have a ton of confidence in that, but yeah, 20, 26% target share this past year. That was pretty big for Amari Cooper. Something he had never done before. Uh, wide receiver 10, Devonte Smith. That's right. He had never had more than 21.9, right? Well, yeah. That was and, part of the argument. Yeah. Wow. But, but, yeah. But that comes guy. back to exactly what I said about CD lamb where it's like, no, shit, he didn't have like 24, 26% yeah, of the target. Something yeah. cause he was playing with, CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and all of these other and like they, Dallas always has one of the Daltons at tight end, you know, some random guy who's just <laughs> yeah. super productive. And um, even back to his Raiders days, he was playing with uh, Michael Crabtree, who I think people still underrate in terms of how good he was uh, as an NFL player. So, um, yeah, it's like target competition does matter for these guys. But there was no scenario where Amari Cooper was going to have like a 21 percent target share because DPJ was going to have like you know, a big role on the team or something like that. David Bell, the rookie receiver was going to come in there. Yeah. So like targets can be influenced by circumstances. No doubt about that. Even if they are as a, as a general standard, they are earned targets. Um, speaking of a guy who earned uh, targets, Devonte Smith, wide receiver 10. We teased it earlier. Um, he was up from wide receiver 30. The, the season passed again. I think the narrative on him will be, well, he just really opened things up. You know, because AJ Brown was there. The the thing with the Eagles that actually is a unique situation is they put so much stress on you um, as a defense because you can't really realistically double one of these wide receivers because then you're taking eyes off Jalen Hurts as a rusher or you're taking guys out of the box um, or as a as a as just a general run defense player. And then, like, they'll crush you with that offensive line and Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell and all those folks. So there's no real good answer to defending the Eagles. But to me, the lesson for him was, and this is a lesson for myself, because I got this wrong. This is one where I was totally off on Devontae Smith, not the player. I loved the player, loved the route running ability. His RP profile was great. But I didn't draft him in a single league, buried him in rankings because I was so sure that the Eagles were going to run back basically the same offense that they had last year. 
even if I was like, Jalen Hurts can get better, they're still going to be super run heavy. And I was just totally wrong about that. So the lesson here is leave open the possibility that you might be wrong when projecting team play calling. Because if you are wrong, you could end up with a huge season like Devontae Smith, who is a verifiable talented stud. Yeah, I made the same mistake. I just thought that A.J. Brown coming into town, he'll be the clear alpha. There's also Goddard there in a run-first team. Even though I was a believer in Hurts, I still uh, didn't end up with much uh, Smith. So my my question remains, though. Next year, Smith, you know me, he's a whole one year younger than A.J. Yeah. Brown. So I'm going to be all over <laughs> over him, the age model. But Smith is obviously very small. You know, uh, people worried about him uh, entering the NFL, so there's yeah. a durability concern there. But again, over the final second half of the year, final eight games, Devontae Smith out-targeted A.J. Brown in six of them, had a third. 31% target share over those eight games and had the same target share in the postseason as Brown. So um, I don't know. I think it's I think it's worth a debate or maybe again, you said maybe maybe it's not. Maybe A.J. Brown is, you know, has a longer track record. He's bigger, more likely to score touchdowns. Maybe maybe most will settle in with him going going ahead of them in most drafts. I'm not sure. Definitely worth a debate. I think it's worth a discussion. Like, I think this is the new D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, where, you know, even this past season, Lockett was more productive, right, than DK Metcalf. Uh, Tyler Lockett outscored DK Metcalf uh, in fantasy this year. Um, I think that's, like, that's possible for these guys, right? Uh, like, that can that can definitely happen this this year. Like, Devontae Smith could be better um, than, than A.J. Brown. Not because he is better or is more talented, but, like, he's just good. I mean, like, I think these guys are very close. Like, Devontae Smith is that good that this could be like a super concentrated receiver core as well. Like I don't necessarily see them investing a ton of resources in a third wide receiver. Um, you know, Dallas Goddard's under contract and he's like the oldest guy on this offense and he's like 28, 29 years old. Um, so to me, no, yeah, I think that they can be like that new Metcalf and Lockett where people will, cause people are just sizists. People are, you know, whatever they'll always focus in on AJ Brown and they should. Like I said earlier in the podcast, A.J. Brown is a top five wide receiver talent. He is that good. Just like with D.K. Metcalf. Look at the size and the speed. He's obviously better. And then Lockett is literally, at worst, his equal. He might even be a little bit better. And Devontae Smith could certainly be that guy this year and going forward as well. That's a good comp. I like, the, I like that comparison. Um, all right. Next one up here, wide receiver 11, Christian Kirk. Last one we're going to do before we have to talk about tight ends for a second. Christian Kirk, man, I mean, there's so many lessons here to take away. Uh, it's just like, number one, don't care about money. It's not your money. Why are you so outraged that Christian Kirk is getting paid what he's getting paid? Who cares? Shad Khan and the boys down there in Jacksonville, they can afford it. It's fine. Let them pay Christian Kirk what they're going to pay him. But for real, it was like mostly, I think people faded him mostly because they were that contract was so ridiculous. But the projectable volume was huge for Christian Kirk. And again, the talent was there too. That's what I think got lost in the whole contract discussion. It's not like they paid some bum, you know, a bunch of money. Like Kirk, he's a pretty good player. And he was a pretty good player for Jacksonville and ended up turning in a great season. Yeah, even though I was wrong on other receivers changing teams, this one I was I was high on Kirk. Just I followed the money, the big contract, even if I didn't agree with the amount, whatever, they gave him it. And uh, there were very little competition there. And I was... Uh, hoping you know Lawrence would take a leap. So um, happy with Kirk's uh, performance this last year. Although I will say he was very reliant upon um, uh, slot corners, opposing slot corners. He was one of the receivers you could kind of yeah. predict really when he was going to go off or not, or at least to the extent you can any NFL wide receiver. Next year, totally different ball game with Calvin Ridley re-entering uh, the picture. Um, but uh, yeah, Kirk is clearly good and maybe not worth the entire contract, but maybe he was worth it. Whatever. Fantasy wise, top 12 uh, where he went in drafts was a huge, huge profit. 
I mean, yeah, I definitely think he was worth it, right? Like because uh, he yeah, ended I guess up he be- was, yeah. He yeah. ended up being such a huge uh, threat for for Jacksonville and exactly the type of player they needed because they won a playoff game. Yeah, they I, came they back won, from a yeah. yeah, 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 totally. He was worth it. What am I talking about? Right? They, yeah. yeah, they won a damn playoff game, and also like you just look at the receipt. Like I think Jacksonville, maybe they didn't see this coming. Uh, they're like the receiver market absolutely exploding, but Christian Kirk got eighteen million a year. You know, Kenny Galladay the year prior got eighteen million a year. Tyler Lockett's at seventeen. You know, Deontay Johnson's like at eighteen point three or eighteen point four. You know, um, then you look at the guys like Tyree Kills making thirty a year. Devontae Adams twenty eight a year. Um, you know, Stephon Diggs twenty four a year. DK Metcalf twenty four a year. Uh, your guy Debo Samuel he's in that range as well. Terry McLaurin's in that range. Like the what the, the, that contract doesn't look crazy at all, really in 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 hindsight and. When you're the best player available at a position in free agency, even if you're not, you know, one of the top five players at the position in real life, you're gonna you're gonna get paid. You know, so Jacoby Myers this year, like he's he's gonna be the mm-hmm. Christian Kirk this year, guy that gets a ton of money. People are gonna lose their mind about Jacoby Myers get like twenty million a year potentially. He's the best receiver on the market. Like he's gonna and he could go to a team and have a Christian Kirk season because again, he might not be great Kenny Galladay I just said this earlier he he's at 18 million a year because he was the best receiver available in free agency the year the Giants signed him like Jacoby Myers is probably going to get that contract um he could go and and have a Christian Kirk type season even if he's not a top 12 wide receiver real life in the NFL he could have a top 12 fantasy season because he's good at football and he's going to get paid a lot of money in the next few months and Myers another slot guy too yep (laughs) so it's a real it's a real fine comparison there so so yeah, no, you're right. I backtrack. I was wrong. Kirk, well worth the money, and uh, yeah, no, it's a, a good signing. And I can't can't wait to see this offense next year, man. I'm I'm really high on ETN, and 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 yeah, it's gonna be gonna be fun if if Ridley's who he was the last time we saw him. Hopefully, I know. I I keep saying to myself, I'm sure I've already said it on the pod, but like you know. I'm really trying to not get like overexcited about Calvin Ridley, uh, but then you go back and you watch Calvin Ridley like the last, even the last time he played when statistically he wasn't having his best year in 2021. He was obviously out of the, God, he's still so good. He's just, he's like exactly what they need, man. Like an outside the numbers vertical separator. There's definitely like a poor man's Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen type of jump that these two guys can make together in Calvin Ridley um, and, and Trevor Lawrence, but that's putting a lot on him a lot, a lot on a guy who hasn't played in two years. And, and I think honestly, in that way, maybe Kirk could end up being a value in fantasy drafts because people might get caught up on Ridley, but um, Kirk's the guy who is going to get the easier targets. He's going to get the easier coverage as that slot guy. And um, He's already got that baked in chemistry with the uh, with Trevor Lawrence, which I think does matter for a guy like Christian Kirk. Um, all right. We've waited long enough. We don't have to spend a ton of time on tight ends, man. Um, but what do we what did we learn about tight ends in 2022? We're not gonna go through the entire top 10 uh of tight ends this year, you know, and and like we we don't need to learn a lesson from every single uh, tight end in 20. Like, do you need a lesson for Dalton Schultz at tight end 10? Do you need a lesson for Tyler Higby at tight end nine? Do you need a freaking lesson on tight end 11, Juwan Johnson? I don't think you do. But what did we learn overall at tight end uh, in, in this past year, Dalton? And how do we project that mess of a position going forward? Yeah, personally, I learned a couple things. One, probably not to fade uh, Kelsey playing with the greatest quarterback of our generation without Tyreek Hill there now. So that was not an ideal 
situation to fade, even if he was a little washed. It didn't matter. I was dead wrong on that regardless. Um, that said, if I didn't like him then, I'm really not going to like him as a 34-year-old <laughs> and with Kansas City likely upgrading at the wide receiver position and costing a first-round fantasy pick. So um, I don't really know a lesson learned I don't know. I'll probably repeat said uh, mistake this year. Um, I'm really uh, in a greater, bigger picture. I'm not going to talk myself into tight end ever again. I repeatedly make that mistake. I mean, even right now on paper, I could form an argument to you being like, did you see Hawkinson's targets after getting traded to Minnesota? Mark Andrews is going to bounce back with a healthy Lamar Jackson. And now we're talking Kyle Pitts isn't even going top three and he's entering year three. I mean, Kittle with some quarterbacks there. Uh, Evan Ingram was treated like a wide receiver and he has Lawrence there. So, I mean, we're already to six tight ends and then I could list, you know, 10 other sleepers, a lot of interesting young guys, Jelani Woods, Trey McBride and whatnot. Uh, and my guy Chig, but I'm not going to fall for it. it. You just need to draft a bunch of them in best ball and ignore them in your redrafts because the position sucks and it's just a hard, it's a battle of attrition. It is, it's a, it's a real tough position. So just load up on your receivers. And uh, yeah, that's basically my takeaway is, is every year I fall for it. I'm like, this is the year it's going to be deep. And every year it's not. I don't think it's going to be deep. I with you that I don't think we're going to have, um, I don't think we're going to have, you know, the, the debates in the off season where, oh, well, what if this guy breaks out? What if that guy breaks out? Like somebody like the Chigo Conquo or the Jelani Woods, one of those guys, I think we didn't get that last year, right? Like we didn't get the super athletic, like late round breakout, unless you want to, unless you want to count, uh, old Joan Johnson at, at tight end 11 or Cole Komet at tight end seven. But, um, I don't, I'm not really going to count those Pat Fryermuth at tight end eight. I mean, come on. Um, but we don't, we're, we're probably going to get one of those breakouts because we used to always get one. Think about like Logan Thomas or Darren Waller, um, even Travis Kelsey back in the day, way, way back in the day. He was like that late round tight end athletic breakout. I think we get one of those guys, but like pretending there's going to be like four or five every year. I'm done with that. What I do disagree with you on, though, is that like I think the upper middle class of the position will be better this year. Like I think TJ Hawkinson can stabilize and get like a hundred, you know, like he had 172 points last year. That's perfectly fine for like the tight end four normally. I think George Kittle, if he stays healthy, could definitely stabilize a little. Mark Andrews, same thing. Um, and then guys like Evan Ingram, like why can't Evan Ingram have a repeat performance of his year? And like, that's perfectly fine for overall tight end six, you know, guys like Dallas. I think the thing that we overlook is how many injuries were, uh, like how much injury was a part of the problem at tight end last year. And that's just not something that you can count on going forward. You know, Dallas Goddard got hurt last year. You know, Dalton Schultz, we bagged on him, but like he got hurt last year as well. Um, you know, think about Zach Ertz. People like totally forget that Zach Ertz was an answer at tight end early on in the year before getting hurt. Even Kyle Pitts. I know Kyle Pitts was frustrating last year, but he ended up getting hurt. Who's to say that Kyle Pitts couldn't have like stabilized his season in the second half of the year like Drake London did with better quarterback play. So I kind of disagree that I think this whole narrative that we need to get rid of tight ends or we need to merge them with wide receivers or any of that stuff. Um, I'm definitely out on like pretending that there's going to be like five or 10 breakout guys like late in the draft and that tight end is deep. But I think the middle class, like the upper middle class of the position could easily come back this coming season. It's a fair counter. Maybe I'm overly pessimistic following such a down year. I mean, I did bring up those those five, six guys because, yeah, within their all of their range of outcomes is a really good season. I mean, Pitts, we keep waiting for. Mark, yeah, I mean, they really, you could lay the narrative down for five or six of them. So Even I David Njoku. Uh, uh, Even I David Njoku, 14, 14 yeah. games. 
Yeah, totally. And, and and even Dallas Goddard really there too. So what if one of the Eagles receivers went down? I mean, he would suddenly be a monster. So yeah, I um even Dawson Knox quietly got some targets. So yeah, I, you could talk yourself into it. Here we go. Now you're trying to get me to again here, but uh, <laughs> it, injuries happen at the position. It seems abnormally high and it's just tough to, to live up to the to seemingly every year of what, what we hope. But but yeah, maybe I'm being overly harsh. And there is, if you squint, uh, you certainly could talk yourself into the position. I, I agree as far as let's not separate it. I, I think the position absolutely should still be uh be a, be on, you know in fantasy terms. But um yeah, it just perennially disappoints for based on entering because it's like every year I talk myself into it, being like, man, there's so many so many interesting, intriguing breakout candidates, and it just seemingly uh, disappoints yearly. I mean, you only need one, right? Like you only got to start one of them. It's not like wide receivers or running backs where we need tight end to be like twenty players deep. We need it to really be like totally. the prop the, again. I think the I sound like a political candidate, but like the uh, the destruction of the middle class uh, really has been the biggest problem for a tight end this past year. Because remember when it used to be like okay, yeah, there was Gronk and Travis Kelsey, but like Greg Olson is a perfectly reliable pick in like the middle rounds. Zach Ertz, you know, he's like a hundred years old. He's been around in in that range too. Like we need that to sort of come back here. And I think I think again, if guys don't get hurt, like you mentioned. Dawson Knox, only 15 games. Zach Ertz, 10 games. David Njoku, 14 games. Dalton Schultz, 15 games. Dallas Goddard, 12 games. Kyle Pitts, we know he got hurt. Um, Darren Waller, dude. Darren Waller played nine games. Like, if these guys yeah. if these guys had stayed healthy this year, we are not – like, nobody serious is out here saying we should merge, like, wide receivers and tight ends. And I'm not just – I promise I'm not just saying this um, – because uh, I don't want to chart tight ends and I'll never chart tight ends for reception perception. I promise that's not my only motivation here. But I do think the idea that we need to get away with the position is is totally ridiculous. But um, again, it's Dalton, it's all about bringing back life to the middle class uh, at the tight end position. Where are you taking Travis Kelsey right now in early ADPs, fifth off the board, give or take? I mean, I'm probably not taking him fifth. Uh, but like I would, I still think he's definitely a first-round pick. Um he had 261 points last year, and he could t- he could regress way off that and still be the top tight end, just not quite the unfair difference uh, that he was last year from a touchdown standpoint. So I'm not taking I'm not taking him fifth or anything like that, but I'm I'm still I'm not I'm not fading him either if that makes sense. It is crazy how much better he was than the next best uh, tight end, but um yeah, just 34 years old. I assume they're going to upgrade their targets there, but yeah, man, it's hard hard to argue with the production there. Although he didn't score a touchdown in the final six regular season games, but. But yeah, I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to argue with the production. But fifth overall for a tight end at 30, 34 years old, um, I don't know. It won't be me. Yeah, probably won't be me either. But that's just because I think there's so many good running back and, and, and receiver picks there to make uh, that I probably won't be uh, the one doing the Travis Kelsey thing. But I can't, I can't talk you out of it either because I don't think like there's any sign of decline. Um, they're going to add somebody at the wide receiver position, but I don't think it's going to be like a huge needle mover. I think the fact that they won the Super Bowl with that cast of characters at wide receiver is only going to like validate the idea that they can get by with like a substandard receiver core, which I, I think is totally plausible at this point. Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up a graph, but did you see before we go, did you see the the try? I think it was Warren Sharp did it, but of, of all the different defenses that opposing defenses threw at, at uh Mahomes this year, go go look at the Twitter thread. It's pretty pretty impressive. That it's just they have the answer, the, the cheat code. They're it's just they have the all the answers, no matter what you throw at them. So uh, yeah, again, Kelsey the number one target with Mahomes throwing to him and Andy Reid calling up the plays. I mean, yeah, it's it's he maybe he'll do this until he's 40. I mean, it's it's I mean it's yeah. Uh, it's uh, 
it's tough, tough to defend. And um, the, the Chiefs are are impressive. And um, the rest of the league uh, is going to have to come up with some answers because for them to do that without Tyree Kill is just is just remarkable. It's insane, man. Tough, tough, uh, tough thing to defend there. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Dalton, what are you working on that the people can check out? I know you're like knee deep in baseball at this point. I am. I just had a Park Factors column come out, and I'm going to have uh, some betting columns come out uh, later this week. So check it out. I got some futures. So they'll probably end up getting really close to winning any money and then failing ultimately like usual. But um, I have <laughs> thoughts. So if you're a degenerate like myself, look out for a couple columns later this week. Ringing endorsement there. They'll get you close uh, and fail like always. That's how you really sell your stuff there, Dalton. That, that, that's great. Um, if you don't already, you got to make sure you're following Dalton on Twitter. He, I mean, I don't. he's due for his monthly tweet anytime now. I can get you from <laughs> annual to monthly, I think, at this point, Dalton. Maybe, maybe. Um, that's at Dalton Del Don. You can follow him. You can follow me at, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, it's always a good time to follow at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm going to be back later this week talk with Frank Schwab about all the NFL coaching changes and how they might impact current players on that roster. Until then, we're out. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.